0: I went Tendermint, IBC, Tendermint, Comet, and now both Comet and IBC. When we speak about our mission, we think about something along the lines of 50 years time frame. In terms of adoption, I think things are starting to move slightly faster now. We are now in a position in which we actually understand what is happening. So we imagine that we should be able, or ideally by the end of 2024, we want to be able to...
1: Welcome to the bare metal party. Good afternoon, everybody, and thanks for tuning back into the Bare Metal podcast. Today, I've got uh, Adi Sarandisky here with me from Informal Systems. Welcome, Adi.
0: Hey there, uh, great to be here.
1: Uh, I'm your host, Ship the Code from X. here all the time talking about interesting people and projects. So please, Adi, give us an introduction. You're pretty deep in the Comet BFT ecosystem. I'm curious to learn how you got there. Uh, what's your role?
0: Hmm. Uh, yeah, my, my role actually evolved a bit um, throughout the years. I actually started from the IBC side in the Comet ecosystem. I uh, no, in fact, if I'm to go back to the origins, I started from Tendermint, uh, so 2020, uh, four years ago around October 2019, uh, I joined first, and there was uh, the era of Interchain Foundation, uh, where we were assembling there uh, different researchers and engineers. And then in 2020, Informal was created. Uh, So my role officially in the beginning was uh, research and experiments on Tendermint. Uh, Then I pivoted into IBC. This year, I pivoted back into Tendermint that became Comet BFT, and since a couple of months ago, I'm I'm again on IBC, but staying also on Comet. Uh, so I'm I'm covering both Comet and IBC now. Yeah, so I went Tendermint IBC Tendermint Comet, and now both Comet and, and IBC. And now both.
1: So you're pretty critical <laughs> to like all the, the software stack that's upholding uh, <laughs> lots really of the like space. Where,
0: yeah, I I like going where the the interesting problems are, um, and I'm I'm not afraid of of pivoting or kind of learning new stuff. Uh, it's always it's always a joy doing that. So yeah.
1: So let's unpack. You've said a lot of things, and there are some some hints that, that I think topics are going to be really interesting. So let's take them step by step. I think the first one is you know, uh, think about informal systems. I've heard. I've looked at the webpage, but you know, what's the organization doing in, in your words? Like what are, what are, what's the mission? Where does hmm. it um, you know contribute to the ecosystem?
0: Ooh. Informal is not very easy to describe, but there is an easy way to describe uh, informal. It's one of the most ambitious companies in the space because when we speak about our mission, we uh we think about something along the lines of fifty years time frame. Uh and the mission is uh about transforming the 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 money of the money on which the organizations today run and the software on which today's organizations run. So those are very high level, very important and, and uh, very long range impact impactful mission. So uh, that that's probably the best the best summarized way of describing informal. We have our hands in uh, in a different in different areas, uh, both in Cosmos ecosystem and a bit more broadly than that. Uh, It's called informal systems because we started from the idea that this new generation of organizations that we're we're building they should be correct because they're going to become critical to the well functioning of everything Uh, so decentralized organizations if they're going to function well and if they're going to do a better job than let's say legacy organizations uh, they should be probably formally verified and it started from formal methods that's why the company is called informal systems Uh, but it's more broadly than that we also had a lot of focus on rust uh, because of quality concerns and performance concerns Uh, but that's that's a bit of the part of the origin story, uh, with informal or at least the name. And what I think is relatively important in understanding the company.
1: Uh, why do you mention Rust? I mean, is, is this connected to like, you know, uh, efforts around formal verification of source or source code and you guys were like exploring different ways of maybe, uh, rebuilding the stack, uh, using, using, you know, different uh, approaches.
0: I mentioned Rust because it was one of the two pillars when, when Informal was started. Uh, it was started on the pillar of let's use formal methods to prove that systems are correct. Mm-hmm. And let's use Rust to build more correct systems than what we already have in Go, for instance, or in other languages. So R- Rust is traditionally considered uh, to have more support to, to build uh, more, uh, let's say, higher quality systems in general.
1: Right. I guess, like, I can understand how around memory control, this is sort of by default, let's say more, uh, let's say safer. Did you guys ever build any any sort of specifications in, like, you know, formal language like TLA plus or some type, some type of logic like that, that could then be directly applicable to source code?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, we started from there, actually. Uh, there was around the time when I joined 2019, 2019 I think it was when... Uh, the first time that the Tendermint algorithm was for fully formally specified, uh, its safety was also verified around that time. Uh, and I think slightly later, maybe a year later, there were also efforts in uh, proving the liveness of that the algorithm is live, that it produces blocks. It's not just not doing bad things, but it's also doing good things. Uh, so we definitely invested a lot of effort in TLA+. Actually, um, Part of the founding, let's say, the founding team or the the original members of Informal Systems, uh, was uh, w- were uh, people with long history in TLA Plus. Uh, Igor. Uh, for instance, Igor Konov, he, he created him and uh, part of his group. They created Apalachee, which is a symbolic model checker for TLA+. Uh, we also had Josef, uh, Josef Wider, who was a professor in Vienna. he's he's, he's uh, uh, a lot of expertise in informal methods and, and TLA+.
1: Um, yeah, super interesting. By the way, are those TLA+, descriptions open source? Could I see them somewhere if I wanted to?
0: Yeah, uh, I think they should be. So there used to be a repository called uh, Tendermint, so it was GitHub in the Tendermint organization, so Tendermint slash Tendermint spec, or no, Tendermint organization spec repo. Uh, I think those moved into the Tendermint repo and I think probably today they exist into the Comet BFT repo.
1: Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll try and find that. It's just as a point of interest. Uh, mm. um, okay, so that's a um, Informal, focusing on formal, um, funny, mm. uh, but you also talk about these different names, Comet, PFT, and, and Tendermint. Uh, there's a lot of uh, sort of drama I see on on Twitter now uh, between uh, you know All in Bits and uh, and other organizations, and me coming into crypto pretty late. Uh, I always see these fights, but I actually don't get these origins or I don't understand like where you know any potential sort of friction is coming from. And mm. I do know that Tendermint has had to rename to Comet BFT for, I don't even know why, uh, mm. for, for some purposes. Can you unpack this history? So since you were there at the beginning, uh, you know, tell us what happened uh, starting from the, the old Tendermint code base, how these things have split, why they've split, and what the status is today. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so Tendermint briefly was, was caught in time or caught in the middle between... Um, between the plans of its original creator, um, the, the the founder of Tendermint Inc. Uh, Olimbits, and the direction in which the ecosystem is going, more more broadly speaking. So, I, I gave a presentation about Tendermint and its origins at uh, the Gateway Conference in Prague, and I, I I covered this aspect actually. And in my opinion, the origins of the Tendermint repository being frozen. So actually, let me start. The, let me restart. What happened was uh, Tendermint was created at bits uh, I think that was 2013 when the effort started. Then uh, efforts continued up until probably 20... Uh, 2018 when I think I wasn't around, so this is mostly speculation, I think focus started to move towards the SDK. Uh, Then after the SDK, focus started to move the IBC. So Tendermint is kind of the oldest part of the stack, and it is the part of the stack that also uh, the Tendermint trademark belonged to all in bits versus the IBC trademark does not belong to all in bits, belongs to, I believe, ICF. Uh, And I think the Cosmos trademark also belongs to ICF. Uh, So long story short, um, the creator of Tendermint and the person who owns the trademark trademark, uh, decided that Tendermint, uh, the version at which the software existed in late 2022, uh, he decided that we should just timestamp that software. We should say, this is it. It has reached very good maturity and we should let people use it and we should not continue pushing it into a certain opinionated direction, such as ABCI, such as specific encoding formats that, that were not really agreeing with the original direction of Tendermint. Uh, and given that the te- trademark belonged to all in bits, and given that the control over the Tendermint GitHub organization also belonged to them, uh, there was nothing we could do. So we couldn't publish anything that was called Tendermint. Um, nor could we actually push any new PRs or actually maintain the software. Uh, and actually, our whole uh, team. So the. the so the sorry, Tendermint... this, this is
1: you were talking about evolution before, but the policy also applied to like fixes and and, and bug fixes. Like there was just the idea was no, this thing is mature now. There, there are yep. no bugs forever. Okay, that's uh, that seems uh, excessive. Like by by any measure, very strange.
0: Yeah, okay. I, I think uh, since then, Tendermint two was created and that, you know, would be the continuation of Tendermint. Uh, I'm I'm not sure where that is, but...
1: Um, uh, sorry, yeah, continue on your original. So, so you were talking mm. about uh, Tendermint being frozen uh, and not being evolved in, in any opinionated directions.
0: Yes, so that actually happened in December, uh, a few days before Christmas last year. Uh, it was when the Tendermint team was essentially kicked out of the GitHub organization and we had no longer access to uh, to push any code there. And then, roughly January and February was.
1: So sorry, just to something good. Apologies again. When you say tendermint mm. team, you mean the people who are working on tendermint, not employees of. of
0: exactly. Of That's a audience. very important okay. clarification. Okay. Actually. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. Okay. So so the contributors that were outside the olympics company, where their access was from the repo, was removed, so they couldn't actually contribute anymore code
0: exactly yes okay. so there was no actually uh, I'm not aware at that point if there were active contributors from from all bits the tendermint core team uh, by the way all I'm talking about so far is not a tendermint algorithm is a tendermint core which is called the tendermint core because to distinguish from the algorithm which is just a concept which is just a theoretical algorithm so actually the code base is called tendermint core uh, but I just use tendermint for simplicity uh, so I'm not aware of any Olympic's contributions to Tendermint Core uh, around that time, and most of the team was sh- most of the team and the development effort was uh, in, in informal systems at that point. It had been before that in Interchain, uh, a subsidiary in of, of the Interchain Foundation, but it it had moved into informal just a few months before or a half a year before. Uh, so so maintenance of Tendermint Core code was. By a team in informal systems, and the code existed in the Tendermint GitHub organization, and the GitHub organization was controlled and owned by olympics So it's pretty complex uh, yeah, right. relationship structures. So.
1: Okay, so the decision around like close to that time, I recall that's that's sort of I, I was there when this happened was to mm. clone essentially clone the repo, publish it yep. under a new name, and then continue yep. development. Um, in the original direction, I guess with the original contributor set, is, is like our, are the, the Tendermint, what you call the Tendermint team still around?
0: Yes. So the, the Tendermint team in the shape of December 2022 is still around. It still exists. It, it, it grew a bit uh, since then. Um, the existence of Comet PFT is due actually to a large degree of outside forces. It wasn't the Tendermint team in informal system that decided to do anything. It was actually a confluence of support from application builders, from the SDK team, from the ABC Go team, from ICF. Uh, from uh, from even previous contributors to Tendermint Core, they were no longer even in the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, from uh, from external organizations that didn't have the, that have, didn't have a stakehold into Cosmos per se, like Anoma, like Celestia, uh, it, they do have a stakehold, but they're they're no longer uh, kind of contributors to the SDK directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these organizations. So Tendermint was actually revived. Into comment BFT, thanks to all of these external contributors. Uh, many of them are names that we all know, and they're they're active on on uh, uh, in the ecosystem. Uh, and it was decided through, through this con- uh, let's say emergent uh, emergent uh, situation that okay, let's continue developing. Let's just give it a new name. The ICF will trademark that name. Uh, it's going to be open source. It's going to have all the good things that the SDK and the IBC go. Already have the IBC protocol and the IBC implementations uh, already have, and that's how Comet BFT was born. Late February, uh, or no, it must have been first of February, if I recall correctly. It was either beginning of February or end of. You know, I think it was beginning of February. Yeah.
1: So if you summarize what changes happened for the past year, like sort of when you guys forked from um, Tendermint uh, and you know happened in your repo, like what happened in these past twelve months? How have you guys used this time? Uh, mm. Which features did you focus on?
0: Since then, there was two major releases, uh, Comet BFT V0.34 and Comet BFT 0.35. The most effort by far that the team spent was, in, was ensuring that 37 and 38 are correct uh, and that they behave without impacting the correctness or the performance of networks. Uh, as a delta to zero thirty four, uh, so Tendermint was frozen at zero thirty four. Comet BFT was revived or forked out of zero thirty four, so we first published Comet BFT v zero thirty four, and then most of our time was spent in cherry picking code that had been frozen in the old code base, in actually abandoned versions zero uh, thirty five and thirty six, and those cherry picks landed into thirty seven and thirty eight. Uh, and this is important because 37 and 38 are both what collectively became ABCI++. So 037 is the first phase, first phase of ABCI++ and 38 is the second phase of ABCI++. The code had already been written. So our team didn't actually need to, uh, invest a lot of time in the code. Th- there were still some changes that needed to be done. Uh, but most of the code had already existed. We just need to, needed to surgically right. extract with a lot of preciseness the, the exact pieces that we needed. And then a lot of time was spent in, was, it was ensuring that we understood that code, that it was safe to deploy and. Tested a lot of tests, a lot of uh, stress tests.
1: So cherry picking integration of of sort of new logic that was forked off or that was branched from the old versions into the new ones. Got it. Okay, that's of course uh, one of the most dangerous jobs integrating code that you didn't write or that was written against something else. Uh, So yeah, I understood that it needs a lot of time. I'm curious just like to interject technical question. Are 0.34 up to 3.8 are they wire compatible on the P2P protocol level, or have been, have there been changes which render you know somebody deploying a software with 037 on the same P2P net as 034 you know impossible?
0: So the, it's a bit more nuanced than that. So there, there's also a breaking or could have been a breaking problem between uh, Tendermint 34 and Comet BFT 34 oh, okay. because we did do a renaming. Um, so even that just even just that renaming. Could have been a problem as well. Uh, however, our renaming was rather superficial. Uh, so we did the renaming of, of modules uh, and, and, and a few other things like ver- uh, strings and constants and things that did not impact the peer-to-peer layer, mm-hmm. uh, specifically so that networks can upgrade from Tendermint core V038 to comet BFT038 uh, overnight or fully fully compatible from Zero thirty four, comment bft zero thirty four to comment bft zero thirty seven. There have been changes in the Go API, but not into in the exchange into the messages that peers exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, There have been. Changes in the messages that peers exchange, but not in backwards incompatible ways. So you can, Mm -hmm. there were additive changes as far as, as far as I know. And the same goes between 37 and 38. However, in 38, they were even uh, slightly more major. And in 38 is where the vote extensions were added. And now with vote extensions, uh, peers are going to be communicating a bit more stuff. So uh, vote extensions are an additional. An additional type of message is additive, so uh, so uh, it's it's not breaking in the same way as if the whole protocol would have been broken. Uh, But uh, it is still. So you appear on a
1: new channel. Is that is that uh, there would there be a new channel that transports these vote extension messages, or are they on the vote channel? uh, But
0: uh... they're on the vote channel, I think. Oh, they are on
1: the vote channel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh interested to see what happens when more protocol set up is what is what is the adoption of newer versions of Comet BFT look like? Do you guys have some projects which tend to you know beta test or run the uh, copies on their test nets faster? Is there, mm. you know, project are there protocols whose test nets we can see zero thirty-eight on now?
0: Mm. Well, I, I know the hub team is already starting to adopt 38. Uh, I am aware of a couple of other teams. Actually, Marco from the SDK team just mentioned them to me the other day, but I'm blanking on them. I think Noble also is planning to upgrade to 38. I don't think any network is already on 38 because it was just released. Yes, yes. Sure. Um, Yeah, so uh, actually in terms of adoption, I think things are starting to move slightly faster now. Uh, There was a period of... So I think uh, Tendermint core 0.34 was released first time in October or November 2020, 2020 I think and now we're almost in 2024 so it was the same major version another uh, major a it was the minor version but it it was considered a major version for for a long time uh, and now finally networks are you know starting again to experiment uh, and to to adopt uh, new things and that's quite exciting
1: Super. So if we look at the the new Comet 50s, you know, code base, who are the companies you'd put around, let's say the round table, you know, who are you know, taking care of this either on a daily or, or or on sort of like a, let's call it a weekly basis. They're really active in the development. Who are these, who are these main bodies? Uh, They're helping this out.
0: Hmm. There are probably four that come to mind. Uh, but there's a lot more than that, that help also quite regularly. Uh, so the SDK team, uh, Orange Tech signals regularly uh, problems. Uh, they they do fast tests, I think. Um, informal and Amulet. So th- these are the first ones that come off the top of my mind. But there's many other contributors that uh, that either give direct uh, contribu- contributions, or they, uh, they help us with insights, with needs, with requirements, with processes, with integration adoption. Uh, among the ones that are most recent, but this is really just uh, the kind of recency bias, uh, Celestia, Kronos, um, Injective, Numetric, uh, th- these are some of the teams that, that we, we, we spoke to recently.
1: um if you think about so, you mentioned that quite a lot of things are happening. So it feels like the, the project um, has enough resources to actually meaningfully develop. Would you say that's a fair statement that the, the funding around you know Comet BFT allows it to actually evolve instead of sort of like struggling to fix um, uh, struggling to fix bugs and maintain security?
0: It's definitely not an easy not an easy answer, and it's not exactly because of funding. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say uh, Comet BFT is probably six months to one year behind the SDK in the amount of refactoring and velocity that the code base has or or in the amount of dead weight that is pulling down velocity. Um, So funding is not exactly an issue in the sense that simply adding more resources or more capacity or engineering more money to the problem Will not necessarily to solve it. Sol- to
1: solve the problem. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's a sequential process of uh, trying to make the most severe changes that brings the code base in a healthy state, and you cannot rush that. Uh, that has been uh, at least that's my assessment. That it was once rushed in terms of rewriting and and more aggressive changes, and it didn't work out well. And the Comet team is both ambitious enough to try to do the kind of changes again, but risk averse enough to do them at a slow enough pace, so that we don't put the ecosystem in danger.
1: At the risk of, uh, of, you know, maybe looking into too many details, but could you talk about like what major refactoring efforts are necessary to sort of allow for the velocity to increase again?
0: Yeah, of course, Uh, we've been doing them for for quite a bit of time. Let's see. Uh, There are problems with bandwidth consumption and the peer-to-peer, the the gossip players of of Tendermint have been very poorly specified and misunderstood. We are now in a position in which we actually understand what is happening and the team has been able to surgically remove things that were unnecessary for the well-functioning of the protocol Uh, And so that it maintains the same guarantees, the same uh, performance uh, while increasing uh, efficiency. Uh, The same happens at the storage layer. At the storage layer, uh, the use or the data footprint of of, uh, Comet BFT-based nodes, it tends to just grow. And it was very complicated to understand what is that due to. Is it because the applications are, are misconfiguring it? Is, is it because of the indexer? Is it because of, uh, various, various other subsystems that are not like a writer headlock or the consensus that are just mismanaging the software? Is because of libraries, uh, that the pruning mechanism in, in PebbleDB or RocksDB is just not working well or the compaction. Uh, and it turns out it's, it's something like a combination of all of this. And we're, we're now finally starting to push, um, more major things that are, uh, that offer predictability in how mu- how fast storage grows over time. Because ideally when you deploy a Comet BFT based node, you should be able to say, I want aggressive pruning. So then the, the node should grow up to say a certain predefined size, but then if pruning works as it should be, then it should not grow b- based on that. Right. So uh, that's what pruning w- should mean. Uh, and we're almost there. Um, the uh, Another source of big headaches were the indexer that was tightly coupled with the other subsystems in Comet, in particular with the consensus subsystem, to such a degree that if you just open your Comet BFT-based nodes to RPC calls, those RPC calls hit the indexer. The index, indexer puts back pressure into consensus, and then your node falls out of sync with the rest of network. So, so that's, there are
1: actually some like, mutual exclusion locks or critical sections where the RPC call will block access to the indexer and the, the like. It, it would be possible to sort of... Let, that's essentially a denial of service attack in that, what you're talking yeah, about.
0: Yeah, it, it can manifest as a denial of service right. attack. Of course, in, in our docs and in communications, we often try to, re, to, to recall that... Uh, Especially validators should not be opening their RPCs. Uh, of course, not their peer-to-peer ports either. Um, so yeah, um, those yeah, are I those think, are three. Uh, it would
1: be great to get the message out even more strongly. Uh, if I actually <laughs> open the observatory uh, and look at we actually um, look at nodes uh, mm. and what ports they have, and we ascribe functionality. I think there are some combos where we see a validator with RPC port open. Sometimes people say they're proxying the port somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Can't say I'm super convinced that's always the case, uh, but yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's good to surface this risk and make sure people are diligently closing RPC ports on any nodes that are active in consensus. So in my mind, that actually, actually also involves sentries, right? I mean, if you block both yes, sentries exactly. and the, yes. the, the validator is pri- has a private connection to them, uh, then again, you're not signing blocks. Mm-hmm. So on all the PSA, close RPCs yeah. on all sentries and validators.
0: Good reminder, exactly. Um, so I mentioned I mentioned three of them. Actually, on the indexer front, uh, one one decision there was uh, Comet BFT should not be doing indexing in the first place. If there's a custom uh, query language implemented in Comet BFT, it's a huge dead weight that the team has to maintain. There's no reason. There's so many uh, high performance uh, with SQL or without SQL support kind of databases that Comet should just be able to push to stream data out of safely without... Back pressure into consensus that uh, that was manifested into the the design that is called uh, the data companion API uh, very interestingly, we found out that uh, other teams are doing similar uh, similar approaches teams that have pushed the performance of Comet in the past or are already pushing it right now uh, we, we heard of similar designs from uh, from Newmetric who were with the terra uh, terra, terra team. Uh, we heard of similar designs from DYDX, and we were trying to gather uh, um, uh, feedback from them. Injective also has, has Maybe has, say uh,
1: network also, I guess. With like say
0: network, happens. we speak more about uh, ongoing performance rather than costs and efficiency. Mm-hmm. But with say mm-hmm. network, also, yeah, specifically the the cold storage front, but that that crosses more into the application re- layer rather than right. than comment layer. Uh, but yeah. So the data companion API has been a huge thing and I'm definitely missing a couple of other important. Oh yeah, protocol versioning. So currently in order for comma developers, and this is the last one, I have a, a, maybe a couple of others, but this is probably the last important one. Uh, In order for Comet developers to put out new stuff, uh, many interfaces are not even versioned, including the RPC interface. The protos are not versioned, and you cannot do safe upgrades without versioning. So uh, we're now now planning to release Comet BFT v1. Uh, It's essentially 0.38 with a few bandwidth improvements, with the data companion API, and with versioning of Protos and renaming of Protos from Tendermint to Comet BFT. So this is a more major change that will likely have some uh, more breaking changes. Uh, and this is what v1 will be about it's it's nothing critical in terms of a consensus refactoring is nothing critical in, in in terms of the mempool is all revamped and it's like shining and, and flying uh but it's major changes that we need to do to be able to move faster later on so we're moving we're moving still quite slow uh, the the team feels it everyone feels it um there's also an adoption element to it, so we can talk about that as well. But the team feels like we're moving slow, but we do need to move slow in the beginning. Do all do of these a lot good faster things. Faster movement
1: in the future. Right? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. So, like when you know when all these steps are, you know, let's say completed to a degree that allows you to then again focus on 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 more more on the future evolution. What what's next, right? And you mentioned ABCI plus plus. I guess that work is. You mentioned that that's going out in zero thirty eight. Is that going to get more evolution, or are there new topics, you know, in store in terms of optimizing? I don't know the flooding protocols or mm. or whatever uh, the the flooding strategy for distributing messages or mm. something around this.
0: We we do plan to do more uh, aggressive kind of order of magnitude improvements at the at, at the bandwidth uh, efficiency level. So some and consensus gossip and so on. That is, uh, we still need to proceed relatively cautiously there, uh, because it will require networks coordinated upgrades. It will be a challenge to not break IBC clients, uh, though I think that should be fine. It is not the biggest concern. The biggest concern is just is just yeah the 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 wire level uh, uh, conversations that happen between nodes, and how do we do it incrementally so that uh, it it it. We can fall back on previously correct versions and so on. If if uh, we discover something, uh, there were attempts to move to leap p two p. I don't think those were very fruitful in the past. We we could revisit those. I, I think we do plan to revisit them. Uh, we're also looking at other ways of structuring the conversations between nodes, structuring the p two p messages, uh, and and introducing new paradigms, uh, essentially stuff like uh, like Narwhal, where there's kind of in- depend- dependencies between different transactions or between blocks. Uh, it allows more efficiency. Uh, so bandwidth front is definitely something important we want to look into on, uh, for the next year. We still want to continue on the storage front because I, I didn't cover everything, but on the storage front, there's also some dead weights uh, beside the indexer that are also, uh, so now we indexer, we're slowly rolling it. Uh, we're, we're kind of phasing it out. We're going to mark it as deprecated, but beside the indexer, there's other fronts that we also need to simply cut out. Um, probably the most important thing that we want to do that is more uh, kind of novel or more, um, let's say, sexy is modularizing the consensus engine. So we imagine that we should be able, or ideally by the end of 2024, we want to be able to prove that it's feasible to pull out the Tendermint algorithm from Comet BFT and put another one in there if you so want to, mm-hmm. or, or twist it with certain, with certain variations on the Tendermint algorithm. For instance, we're talking about pipelining uh, or pipeline production of blocks. So before you finish producing block one, you can already start producing block two if the mempool is already feeding you with blocks. Uh, And that requires pretty severe changes to the consensus subsystem in Cometh, and it's not trivial. There's so many go routines all over the place and the the behavior is poorly understood. Uh, So this is probably the most severe internal change that we also Mm -hmm. expect to have user impact. Uh, and and then the other things are more uh experience like um, uh, better documentation better onboarding support uh we do we do plan to continue improving communications you just mentioned before that yeah we should we should insist on how uh how uh, operators maybe uh configure their nodes and uh, what do they do with uh, with sentries and so on we should we should continue improving the communications there uh and And there's also something uh, we plan to do on the correctness and QA front. On the correctness front, we may choose to introduce uh, more and more formal uh, models of the different subsystems. I think there's already a formal model of uh, of the peer-to-peer algorithm that is currently used, but I'm not sure actually. I, I think we started it, but we didn't finish it. Uh, so we're, we have been experimenting for the for more than a year now in informal, not only in Comet, kind of more broadly with uh, this variant of TLA plus called Quint. Um, Quint is like a developer-friendly TLA plus. So it actually feels like you're writing code when you write Quint versus when you write TLA plus, you're writing, it's closer to, it, it's a model. You're writing a model. Uh, so it's, it, it if, we notice that if developers write TLA plus uh, ourselves, uh, we tend to write it wrong because we come from the perspective. This is a, this is a function where I'm writing it, but actually writing models. So Quint is something that is addressing kind of that gap between what you expect to write and what you're actually writing. Uh, so it feels a lot more friendly. So we do plan to maybe write more, more models of the different subsystems and formalize uh kind of have formal ma- formal models of comet of the different subsystems in comet and prove them uh show that show that it's it's they're validly correct validate them
1: this sounds like a lot of exciting stuff that you guys have in store formal formal checks always gr- always great uh, yeah. <laughs> to ensure networks stay up i think you know given the uh, given the number of Cosmos networks in existence and then their, you know, continued well-being, I think you guys have been doing a really great job keeping mm. keeping the Cosmos rolled up. So thanks for that, and yeah. uh, congrats with that, I guess You guys are around to develop Comet BFT to new heights. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: thanks. So best of luck with that, and uh, I think that's a great place to end. So thanks very much for uh, coming on.
0: Yeah, my pleasure.
1: And uh, yeah, hope to have you back when you guys have some interesting new developments to hash out. What's next?
0: Yeah, great conversation. Thanks for having me.